Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look back on Bryson DeChambeau's stunning US Open victory and hear from his winner's press conference. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, brought to you by our friends at Titleist, the number one ball, driver, hybrid, utility iron, iron and wedge at the US Open. For more, visit titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark and I am joined as ever by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. Yeah, very good. What an amazing weekend that was at Wingfoot. Uh, just uh, a brilliant week, I thought. And uh, yeah, pretty weary right now, but yeah, very good. How are you? Yeah, all good. As as same as you, a bit tired because it's a few late nights, but very entertaining uh, US Open. With obviously, um, well, it wasn't a dramatic finish, but it was an incredible golf performance by Bryson DeChambeau. And as I mentioned at the top, uh, we will be hearing from him, and we'll be discussing much, much more about his incredible victory throughout the podcast today. Uh, but I think we have to start, as we always do, with our own dreadful golf games. Um, and we played 36 holes at the Berkshire on Thursday um, to help raise money for Prostate Cancer UK. And we got very, very lucky with the weather, didn't we, Elliot? Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. So I wish I put a bit more sun cream on. <laughs> yeah, it was it was ridiculous, wasn't it? But um, no, it was a fantastic day. We raised over... A thousand pounds for the charity, which do incredible work to um, to not only try and find um, treatments for prostate cancer, but also they they obviously look after a lot of people and, and help them get on with their lives whilst um, suffering from the disease. So uh, it was a fantastic day. And Elliot, you didn't play too bad, did you? Yeah, it was all right. I won in the morning, came second in the afternoon, and won both team competitions. So yeah, great day on two of my favourite golf course I think I've ever played. They've kind of been on my bucket list for a long time. And yeah, sometimes courses like that don't quite deliver to your expectations, but they were just absolutely phenomenal, I thought. Yeah, they were in incredible condition, weren't they? They didn't it didn't feel like we were playing in September because no. um, the sun there wasn't a cloud in the sky. It was really quite hot. And the condition of the courses was just fantastic, wasn't it? It didn't feel like it was the, coming to the end of the summer at all. They looked in pristine condition. So, um, yeah, they, they they were very, very good. And um, we were looked after very, very well there and uh, really enjoyed ourselves and all for a good cause. And you guys can still donate to Prostate Cats UK. You can do that anytime you want, but you can you can sponsor the team by going to justgiving.com slash fundraising slash club monthly 2020. Or you, if you just Google... Uh, golf monthly prostate cancer uk you will find the post with the links so um thanks for everybody who's already donated it makes a huge difference and uh, it's a great cause and um yeah we, we had good fundraising money as well so that was all good yeah uh, i've got to say as well thank you to everybody who donated really proud of what we achieved that day and um also back to the course i think for 200 quid for two of those courses i think it's amazing value when you look at what's around it in surrey most courses of that calibre in Surrey would be 150 quid each. And I think, you know, 200 for both. Obviously, it's an awful lot of money. But for the quality you get, uh, I would recommend guys playing that if, you know, you love golf as much as we do. Yeah, if you get a chance, do do absolutely go go along there. There are, yeah, as I say, the golf is, is fantastic. And uh, did you see my new swing in action? Um, yes. Can't say I was too impressed. I, I'll say that. Oh, oh thanks for that. <laughs> That's so kind of you. It's it's a it's a work in progress, shall we say? So um, I had a few decent bits, but that was the first time I was actually playing properly, playing not being on a driving range. So I was always going to have a few issues, wasn't I? But uh, I had a better afternoon than morning, shall we say? <laughs> oh, good to hear. Well, you came second in the afternoon. I came fourth in the afternoon. So there was only a few points between us. So um, yeah, it's a shame I couldn't quite crack on. You, you were desperately uh, treading water towards the end of the, the the second round, weren't you? I think you were you were seeing glory. You, you'd already thought that your name was on the cup, not that we had a cup. Yeah, I uh, I think I blobbed the fifteenth, which really did set me back and, and allowed Neil Tappin to take the victory. Unfortunately, 
never mind never mind anyway let's move on let's stop talking about um our city games and uh, actually let's talk about something really incredible and that was of course the us open um Bruce DeChambeau came from behind to beat Matthew Wolf by six strokes to win his maiden major title at Wingfoot. He shot the only round on par Sunday and was the only man under par for the whole week. The goal scientist moves up to fifth in the world and becomes the third man in history to win an NCAA Division I title, the US Amateur and the US Open after Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods. So there is only one place to start, and that is obviously with Bryce DeChambeau and his incredible performance. You know, six-shot victory was was incredible, but of course, being the only man to actually shoot under par as well, and he did it in his own very special way, didn't he? Yes, we we thought winged foot was would be brutal, and to be honest with you, it was quite brutal actually. You look at some of the scores; I think the the cut was at plus six, and already after the third round, players were already like fifteen over par. So, people who might say it was a little bit easy are probably wrong. I think. Yeah, I, I wrote in the report to Shambo tamed it, and he did. He he knew his way around. He basically just just played perfect golf for him. He was just yeah unstoppable. His short game as well was phenomenal, and I thought that final round performance will easily go down as the best round of his life, and probably one of the best final rounds I've seen in a major. I would have to say. Yeah, it, it was incredible. I mean, he only had one bogey uh, yesterday, which. Is pretty incredible when you saw that how much everybody else was struggling, and um, he was very, very solid on the and around the greens as well as he was impressive off the tee, wasn't he? You know, he he got up and down a lot. He was very solid with the putter, you know, even with from short range, you know, those testing six footer ranges. He just seemed to hold everything, and uh, he was just in the zone, wasn't he? And um, it was very interesting to just you know that the course was brutal it was very tough and i think a few players really did find it a bit of a mental battle more than anything but there were some impressive performances throughout the field but deshamba was just head and shoulders above everybody wasn't he yeah yeah his uh his chipping was i thought absolutely sublime the amount of times that he basically hit it to gimme distance in that final round and and to be honest throughout the week as well and yeah, after 36 holes, I thought Patrick Reed was going to win. To be honest, I thought he was going to grind it out. And, you know, he looked absolutely phenomenal. And he dropped eight shots in nine holes when he's clearly playing great golf. So it just shows you how difficult and demanding the course is. And, you know, I thought Rory had a great chance on Sunday. I thought, to be to be fair, I thought Wolf probably would drop back. Uh, but then you had Louis Eustazen, you had Xander Schofle, Harris English was up there as well. And just mm. no, nobody could play around like Deshambo. He was, yeah, just head and shoulders above everyone. And really, DeChambeau and probably Wolf as well, really, they took it upon themselves to just go on full attack, didn't they? They were just trying to hit their drives as far as possible down the fairway. And they, their plan was, if and if we're in the rough, because we're so far down these holes, we can wedge it on or very close to the greens. And that seemed to be a very good tactic, didn't it? Yeah, we saw a, a really good little clip from Rich Beam, actually, on the Sky Sports broadcast showing us uh, the, the rough is actually not too bad, especially when you've got a wedge in your hand. If you're one of the guys that probably hits it 280, 290 off the tee, and you're going to have six irons, five irons out the rough, you, you are going to struggle. But when you're bashing it 340 down there, and you've got a nine iron in or, or a wedge, uh, that that was basically the way to play the course this week. It's what Deshambo said before the week even began. He said he's he's going to try and overpower it. And, you know, he, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Yeah, and uh, and I think he was actually, people were laughing at him in that press conference, weren't they, at the start of the week? They were going, yeah. he's just, you, know, you know, this might work for a little while, but he's going to have doubles, you know, every now and then, and he's just going to slip back. But his consistency from out of the rough, I mean, every single shot, you know, he was smashing it down the fairway every now and then, but he seemed to play so many shots with a wedge from the rough. I reckon he could have played the whole of that tournament with about four clubs. <laughs> all he did was hit driver, then some kind of wedge, and then putt, putt. So it was, you know, that's all he actually needed for the whole for the whole week. It was a very simple strategy, but a very effective one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the RNA recently said in their distance report that um, long hitting is diminishing the skills of the game, and 
Oh, basically what you just said there you're absolutely right that it is kind of diminishing the skills you didn't really see him hit any five irons into the green you didn't see him hit any four irons any six irons really but that's just the way it is you know he's he's bulked up he said he was going to do that to try and gain distance to try and win majors and it's worked he's kind of a bit of a trailblazer you would have to say and playing the game his own way and uh, yeah we're, we're going to look back maybe 10, maybe 20 years, look back at Bryson and be like, God, yeah, he really did change the game. I don't yeah, know whether yeah. um, the RNA and the USGA are going to introduce any changes, but that's a very hot topic at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think the thing is, they can, if they want to make changes, which I don't know whether they will or not, but if they want to, he will still be hitting it, whatever it is. Golf will still involve a club and a ball. And at the moment, he will still hit that ball further than anybody else. Yeah, um, it's just whether the, whether they can get the, you know, they can stop the ball getting quite up to the as near the green as as he was doing. Uh, I mean, his his stats are pretty impressive. Eighteenth in putting, second around the green, third approach, third off the tee. Rory was first, and miles ahead in uh, first and strokes gain total. So you know, he he's all round game. It wasn't just his driving; it was his all round game because that, you know he could have. He could have had a few issues, especially with his wedges onto the onto the greens. But he just—he was just in the zone, wasn't he? He was just—he's chatting to himself, which a lot of the Sky Sports commentators seem to have huge issues with that he was talking to himself so much. You could just tell he was—he was just trying to get himself in the right place, wasn't he? And he was just talking to himself about it. I know he's a bit of an odd chap, isn't he? You'd say, <laughs> um, and he might get a bit frustrating if you were playing around a golf with. But you know, there's. I think I couldn't see that he was doing anything particularly wrong, was he? No, uh, I, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think Doherty and Coulthard are brilliant, but you couldn't hide the fact that neither of them like him. And I, I thought Doherty was constantly slagging off what Bryson DeChambeau was saying. He was saying, like, you know, oh, I wouldn't want to play with him. He, he'd be doing my nutting or something. And then, yeah, he was also commenting on his slow play. But I think everybody was slow because the course was brutally difficult and they were playing for... A life-changing amount of money. Well, not a life-changing amount of money for them, but over two million for career-defining titles. So yeah, I, I did think it was a little bit negative towards him. And and about this whole, you know, bomb and gouge strategy, Bryson would not have won if he wasn't amazing with his wedges, if he wasn't amazing on the green. So yeah, he, he definitely did have the all-round game. Yeah, absolutely. And um I, I think you know, the, him talking to himself, uh, I know that would maybe get a little bit frustrating, um, <laughs> especially if, if maybe you weren't having a very good time. But he, he didn't slow him down. He was doing it between the shots. He kind of, he just looks for his validation from his caddy, I think. He just talks to his caddy and his caddy kind of just says yes or no or whatever to him. He's just there as kind of like a sounding board. But I didn't think he was actually that slow. And we were expecting um, him to raise a cup about, about 11, half 11, weren't we? And he did. So, you know, it wasn't that the we were expecting the final pairing to finish about 11 o'clock, and they did. So, I, I you know, I really don't think it was that bad. Um, I, I think people were just starting to look for, for reasons to attack him because I think they maybe don't, although they don't like him, they're a bit jealous of his success, I would say. Yeah, fair point. He, he's definitely very polarising and... Um... It's a shame that he gets so much criticism on social media, but I guess that's how it's always going to be. But I would love to see that change around. And, you know, if in five or ten years he's absolutely loved, that would just be incredible. Yeah, and the, and the reason I think some of the reasons are that he's, he's you know, his golf game looks completely different to the rest of the field, doesn't it? He is twice the size of most of them. You know, he's, he's really bulked them up, bulked up. There's no doubt in that, is he? He's massive now. He's got this, you know, one one swing, you know, all his clubs are the same length, which no one else does, really. I don't think anybody else does no. in that field, uh, use the clubs that he did. He's got these huge grips on the clubs. They were saying on the commentary they like more like cricket grips than golf grips. Um, and then the way that he putts as well, you know, up the arm. So he keeps almost the putter completely in line with, with his left arm. Now, he's not breaking any rules doing any of this. Um, and he's, you know, he's stretched maybe the rules in certain areas, but he's doing everything legally and he's performing better than anybody else. Maybe other people should be taking taking note and maybe uh, trying to do what he does. Well, yeah, on this podcast, probably six weeks ago, we asked the question, 
has he changed golf forever? And I think at the time I said yes, because we're either going to see people copying him or we're going to see drastic rules being changed. Yeah. And, and um, we're going to hear from him very shortly, but he's already sent, mentioned that he's going to try and use a 48-inch driver maybe this week or next week to try and get extra distance from that club, which he's already getting huge distance gains out of already. Again, something which would be completely within the rules of golf. You know, it's, it's all very interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. He's going to be hitting it 360 or 370 through the air, he reckons, if he can get that right. So... Yeah, he's going to be testing that driver this week, as you'll hear him say in this press conference. And uh, yeah, it's exactly in the rules, like you said there. It's nothing to do with him. He's All he's doing is trying to become the best golfer he can possibly be. And right now, he's doing a great job of that. Yeah. So actually, let's um, we'll, we'll talk a few about a few other things after we've heard from the 2020 US Open champion, Bryson DeChambeau. Here he is. All right, we're pleased to welcome champion of the 120th U.S. Open, Bryson DeChambeau. How does that sound? Surreal. It sounds amazing, but surreal. It's been a lot of hard work, and I got to say thanks to my whole team. Again, uh, all my sponsors as well. You know, Brett, Tim, my caddy, works his butt off every single day for me. Connor works his butt off for me every single day. Chris Como works really, really hard for me and helps me think through a lot of amazing things. And, um, you know, even Mike Shy, I still talk to Mike and we still talk about how to get better, you know. And so I'd be remiss to say if I didn't say his name either. Um, it's one of those things that doesn't really hit you. It's not going to hit me till tonight. Uh, but I will say that my parents have given so much up for me. I mean, there were times that I went to school without any lunch money and we had to, you know, make bologna sandwiches and didn't have anything to eat. Um, you know, we had some very, very difficult times, but every single day they always wanted the best for me and they always gave me the opportunity to go golf, go practice and go get better. And this one's, uh, this one's for my parents. It's for Mike Shy. It's for Chris. It's for my whole team. Um, all the work, all the blood, sweat and tears that we put into it. It just means the world to me. Like you said, it's going to be hard to reflect right now, but mm -hmm. that moment on 18 when the putt went in and you put your hands in the air, what was going through your mind? I did it. <laughs> I did it. And as difficult as this golf course was presented, I, I played it beautifully. Even when I got in the rough, I was still able to manage my game and hit it to correct sides of the greens, except on 14 today. Uh, thir 14. And kept plugging away. Um, my putting was immaculate today. My speed control, incredible. That's why we work so hard on my speed control. You see me out there on the greens with the device controlling my speed, trying to control my speed. It's just something that allows me and gives me comfort to know that on this green or these, these speeds of greens, you know, it, it's going to be repeatable. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And so it just gives me comfort in knowing how far I can take it back and go through. And um, it, So many times I relied on, on science and it worked every single time. There's always going to be people that say things. There's always going to be people that do things. But no matter what, my focus and my message to everybody out there is each and every day that you're living life, try and make this day better than the previous day. Let today's garbage be better than yesterday. And the fans that have always been there, the supporters that have always been there, I, I can't thank you enough for everything that you have meant for me. You've kept me pushing the needle, moving the needle, and you're going to keep inspiring me too. So I really thank you for everything. I couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, Bryson, you said the T4 at the PGA felt like you were moving in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, but with, with all of the chatter and all the doubters that, you know, what is he doing? Does this absolutely get put you over the edge in terms of validating what you've done? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not going to stop. Um, next week, I'm going to be trying a 48-inch driver. We're going to be messing with some head designs and do some amazing things with, with Cobra uh, to make it feasible to hit these drives, hopefully 360, 370, maybe even farther. We don't know. Given the way you've adopted this approach, do you feel like you're potentially changing the game or at least changing the way people think about playing the game? I, I think I'm definitely changing the way people think about the game. Now, whether you can do it, that's a whole different situation. 
Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be hitting it far. Matthew was hitting it plenty far today. Um, a couple putts just didn't go in for him today and, and kept the momentum on my side. Uh, so he's definitely got the firepower and the strength to do it. Um, you know, you got to be looking out for him in the future. There's a lot of young guns that are unbelievable players, and I think that this generation, this new, next generation is coming up into golf. Hopefully we'll see this and, and go, hey, I can do that too. Bryson, um, you very much do things your own way. Uh, what kind of mental strength do you take from that? Uh, it's a lot of validation through science, just making sure that the numbers are what they are and the result is, is accurate. So if I had a, this is just an example, if I had a 40-footer and it says 10.1 miles per hour on, on the device, I know that I've executed it correctly. And if I see the ball go two feet past that 40-foot mark, I know it's perfect. Um, I know I've done everything I can uh, in my brain to make my perception reality. And so it's all about trying to make my perception of what I feel, what I think, what I, you know, whatever it is, turn into proper reality. And uh, it definitely is validating that I'm able to execute time and time again and, and have it be good enough to win an Open. I don't know if that answered your question. but yep. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, there's so much talk about the driving and the distance and whatnot. Uh, but you did shoot the best score today by three, I believe. Mm. Uh, do you feel like you're proving with, with a victory in a major like this, on a golf course like this, even more so that you're not just a one-dimensional player? No, I think I've got a lot of creativity. Phil said it to me earlier this week. He said, I, in 2006, I had the best short game week of my life. And that really stuck out to me for some reason because uh, I just knew that if I did hit it in the rough, I'm going to have to get up and down quite a bit. And so I made sure that I needed to practice those shots uh, coming into the week, and I did that beautifully, and I felt super comfortable out of the rough no matter the situation. I mean, a perfect example was number 14. Um, uphill lie, just hit it off the top of the face, came out dead and rolled down there to 10 feet, and I made it. That was huge. If I don't make that and he makes his, there's, you know, we, we, we've got a, a fight. And so, um, yeah, I think that answered your question. I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling a little bit. Yeah, it seems like the putting has really been on point. And yes. Yes, P putting has is, is been – sorry. This is what I, I love it. Uh, the putting has gradually improved over the course of my career. I was dead last. I was dead last when uh, I came out on tour. And, you know, the sick guys, sick golf, they, they helped me understand how a ball needs to roll in order for it to give me the best chance to, to hold a putt. And – over the course of these four years, every year I've gotten a little bit better. I've gotten to the top ten now, and I, I don't know how much better I can get, but I'm going to keep trying every single, every single week. We're going to go back to the Cisco WebEx. Um, Bryson, you used your own approach to the game to get here. Do you think kids watching today are now going to follow in your footsteps and look at this approach and try to, to replicate that? You know, I hope I can inspire uh, some people. My, my goal in playing golf and playing this game is to try and figure it out. I'm just trying to figure out this very complex, multivariable um, game and multidimensional game as well. It's very, very difficult. And so it's just fun. It's a fun journey for me. I hope that inspires people to say, hey, look, maybe there is a different way to do it. And, you know, not everybody has to do it my way. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in general that there are different ways to do things. And if you can find your own way, find your passion. Like Arnie said, swing your swing. Um, that's what I do. That's what Matthew Wolf does. That's what Tiger does. That's what Phil does. That's what everybody does. And we're all trying to play the best golf we can. So hopefully my, my way inspires some people. I mean, this is my seventh win, uh, PGA Tour, first major. Um, couldn't be, be more proud. And uh, I hope that it does inspire uh, a few people. Just for the record, what is your current height and weight? Uh, 6'1", 230 to 235, depending on if I've eaten steak or not. Do you, <laughs> you want to be bigger when you get to Augusta? Uh, yeah. What would you say yeah. is your, like, what I, are you I, shooting for? I think I can get to 245. Um, it's going to be a lot of working out. I don't think it's possible. It may be. I don't know. It's just I've gained so much so quickly in a year. Um, you know, they always say when you work out, you gain your 30 pounds or, or whatever it is. And then after that, each year you, you, you half it. So you can go 15. If you keep working out every day, you just, you keep halving it. And eventually there just comes a point where you can't gain much more. Um, but I feel like 
I could still get up there if I work hard enough. What's your response to people who say like it can't be healthy for the body? Or um, well, I, I am talking to uh, a doctor. I got all my blood sample tests, everything back a couple weeks ago, and everything is fine so far. And we're going to keep monitoring it and making sure that I'm as healthy as possible because I do want to live for a long time. <laughs> Bryson, what drove you to the range in the cold and dark last night? What were you looking for, and what did you find? Yeah, so my driver was not performing in the way I wanted it to. Thursday, Friday, I felt super comfortable with the driver. Saturday, wasn't comfortable. So I knew I needed to go to the range, figure something out so I could play for tomorrow and be super comfortable. Because if I'm comfortable with the driver, I knew I could play golf and shoot under par on this this golf course. Um, I was able to find something out last night. And then on the sixth hole today, I figured out a little bit more. And that, that gave me the confidence to play for the rest of the day. And that was essentially, it's it's all about the governors for me. So you know, I have a limit to kind of what I do with the swing, so I don't over-rotate. And you can see I missed a lot of shots left this week. My left arm wasn't holding and being stable enough through impact. and So it was just, it was just rolling over, and that's why I was drawing it and hooking it a little bit. Um, so I worked on that yesterday, and then on the sixth hole, I figured out that even though I was holding it off, my left arm was too bent, and so I was still leading to where the face was way open to the target. And then I felt like I had to do that to close the face. So once I straightened that out, got the face back a little more square, and I just felt like I could hold it off the whole way and gave me so much comfort for the rest of the round. I was going to ask you, what's for dinner tonight? Oh, steak and potatoes. Come on, man. We got we to keep it Seriously, going. Very simple here, Bryson. What, what makes you the happiest right now? I would say, first off, knowing that the team around me has worked just as hard as I have, if not harder, to get me to where I am today. And knowing that I was able to execute for 72 holes in a major championship under the toughest conditions and perform to the highest level. And that trophy. Yeah, the trophy obviously is really nice. It comes with it. But, 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 but I mean, this has got to be some form of validation in your head. You know? 100%. No doubt. No doubt. For, for me, it's, it's about the journey of can I execute every shot more repeatably than everybody else? And I was able to do that this week, and that's why I won by six. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. How do you explain how during a pandemic and what a lot of people are writing off as kind of a lost year, you've elevated your game this much? I felt like it was an opportunity, not a lost year at all. I felt like it was an opportunity to do something great, change my lifestyle, uh, make it healthier, make it better. And I hope this inspires everybody else to do the same. When you have time, when you have that little free moment, don't squander it. Look at it as an opportunity for you to make yourself better. And that's that's what I, I think I did this year. And I'm going to keep trying to do that. When you were a little kid starting out with this whole thing, was the U.S. Open the one you wanted to win, or was it something else? Oh, I would say any major was, was the ones I they, – they were all ones that I wanted to win. But I knew that my game would fit best for a U.S. Open. The reason for that is because I always felt growing up in college, I was always a super straight driver of the golf ball, super great iron player. And putting was always iffy, but I knew I could get around it on fast, quick greens. I was always really good on quick greens. Um, you know, and then I've, I've become a great putter and my ball striking has improved consistently. And now I've got an advantage with this length and, um, that's, that's all she wrote. But yes, growing up, I would say the U S open was the one I thought I could win the most. Bryson, I don't mean to look past this accomplishment after a half hour, but have you thought about how you might, uh, game plan for Augusta national? Well, length is going to be a big advantage there. I know that for a fact. It's always an advantage pretty much anywhere, but given that fact, I'm going to try and prepare by testing a couple things uh, with the driver. What I mean by that is 48 inches, and then I'll also do something with the face um, to account for the, sp the new speed that I'm going at. And then uh, I got to get better with my iron play a little bit. I feel like I was great today. Um, but, but definitely the driver needs to go straighter. That's, that's really my main focus still. Bryson, if the, if the USGA had a debriefing meeting tomorrow morning to talk about how this U.S. Open was won at Wingfoot, what do you think they'd be talking about? He's hitting it forever, <laughs> and that's why he won. I mean, it was a tremendous advantage this week. You, you know, I, I kept telling everybody it's, it's an advantage hitting it far. That's an advantage. And Mark Brody was talking to Chris Como, and they were both talking about how they just made the fairways um, – too small this week to, to have it be an advantage for guys hitting the fairway. So what I mean by that is you can make it to, let's take an example of you going like a yard wide, 
right? Nobody's going to the fairway. Okay, length's going to win. If you make the fairways too wide, length's going to win. And so there's this like balance between width of fairways and where they want to play it and where they're going to try and make you play it. But if, if distance has been such a hot topic over the last two or three years and they're looking into it now, do you think this will accelerate any desire to try and rein you guys in? It's tough to, to rein in athleticism. Um, you know, we're always going to be trying to get stronger, fitter, more athletic. I mean, Tiger inspired this whole generation to do this, um, and we're going to keep going after it. I don't think it's going to stop. Will they rein it back? I'm sure. I'm sure something might happen, but I don't know what it will be. I just know that length is always going to be an advantage. How much is uh, athleticism? How much is science, technology, technology? Well, the whatever. COR was, was locked in back in 2000 or something like that. You could only have it come off the face so much, right? And so it's been that way ever since. And the rules haven't changed. People have just gotten a little longer with their driver. The shafts have become better uh, for sustaining higher swing speeds. And, you know, we're consequently trying to just hit it as hard as we possibly can. Kyle Berkshire, um, Justin James, a bunch of those guys, Josh, they all inspired me to try and go harder at it. And, you know, they are the ones breaking the barriers. I can see what is possible. And so that inspires me to, to keep pushing the limits. I don't think that science is, that, is, is as big of a role in the, the market today. I would say it's more of athleticism playing uh, probably a bigger role for that, for sure. Because I, I was hitting it, you know, on a, just a normal average tour player a year ago. And then I all of a sudden got a lot, of, a lot stronger, worked out every day, been working out every day. And all of a sudden, not because of clubs, but because of me, I was able to gain 20, 25 yards. Bryson, yeah. our 120th U.S. Open champion, congratulations again. Thank you, guys. Thank you all. Well, there you go. That was 2020 USA Open champion Bryson DeChambeau. And he very bullish press conference, I thought. He's so super confident in his own ability and that everything he's doing is is the right thing. Uh, and he's, well, he's he's going to try and take down a few more tournaments, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, some great stuff there about Augusta and this 48-inch driver. I mean, they are not going to like that one bit if he's... Splitting the fairways at 360, 370 every hole. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we've seen Augusta try and lengthen tees basically since the Tiger area, haven't they? They've um, essentially tiger-proofed the golf course, but this is the new generation now and, you know, could be, uh, could be getting Bryson-proofed in the future. True. I mean, there's only – I mean, there's a couple of holes which people always talk about which they they worry about. One of them is 13. At Augusta, which is obviously an iconic par five with the creek in the front, and there's brilliant, you know, some of the the drama as the balls don't quite make it over and fall back into the creek and all this. Whereas if uh, Bryson's uh, you know 100 yards away, he's not going to go in the creek, is he? So um, yeah, there's a few things that they're probably going to have to look at. The one thing I'll say about Augusta, which I think he could, if he's if he is driving it like he is at the moment, he is going to be dangerous there because he's going to be hitting wedges to every hole pretty much. And the one thing I will say, they don't have the rough up. And I think it's proved this week that actually not having the rough up may actually help the rest of the field. Um, so actually they can still attack the golf course. Uh, they're not having to just chip out sideways, uh, which is what, you know, what, what happened. And it kind of what he said in the press conference, he said that they made the fairways too thin so actually, his tactic of just trying to get it as far down as possible meant that he could hit a wedge into the green, while other people were trying to have to hit wedges just to a hundred yards. So um, it, it'll be very, very interesting. But he's he's so confident, isn't he? Yeah, uh, completely. And I think back to Augusta. There, we've always thought that it suits Rory's game down to a tee, but he hasn't managed to win there yet. But you'd have to say it suits Bryson just as well. So it would be very difficult to imagine him not winning a green jacket sometime in the future. And, you know, remember, I think it was 2016 when he was the US amateur champion. I think he was leading the tournament after 35 holes and made an eight or something. And he went on to win the, the low amateur honours there. And, you know, there's two masters now in, in the space of six months. And if he can play anything like that, he's, he's going to be right up there. Yeah, I was, I was actually remembering that. Um, I remember that very vividly watching that live. Um, him completely explode on the 18th hole in the second round. Yeah. Uh, and he was leading at that time, so uh, he's you know he he already 
has shown that he can do very well. I think there's that, that's one thing we've also got to remember that he's his game has changed completely from then, you know, and he it's also changed from when he had success. You know, as we already said, he had he's already had amateur success, and he wasn't bulked up, and he wasn't he wasn't quite playing with the same strategy that he is now. So he's quite clearly a very talented golfer anyway, but he's just trying to get the most out of everything, isn't he? Well, yeah, he, he was only the, the fifth player in history to win the NCAA Division One and the US Amateur. So been a, a fantastic player all of his amateur life. And he's, he's, he's one of the greatest players of his generation, you've, you've got to say. And he's mm. got to win plenty of majors in the future. And he looks like he's ready to, to win an awful lot now. Yeah, yeah, he, he's certainly going to be... Um... He's going to go through these periods as well where he's just on 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 board, isn't he? So now, how, how long he can play like this is a question which we don't know the answer to yet. Will his body be able to keep up with the uh, brutal hitting regime? And then how? I mean, he was practicing for a good few hours after that Saturday round as well. I mean, there's a lot of strain going on the body. So we'll wait and see how that, that happens. But um, I think we need to congratulate him and say, well done. Um Let's talk about a couple of other people and a couple of other headlines from the US Open. Firstly, we need to talk about Matthew Wolfe, don't we? Uh, in only his second major, his first US Open, he again finished top 10. Uh, he had some horrendous struggle hitting fairways. It, it, um, <laughs> he hit two fairways in the third in his third round, but he shot 65. And actually, I think he impressed a lot of people, didn't he? Yeah, uh, an incredible talent. And yeah, like you said, he's played two majors was fourth at the PGA and second at the US Open. His all-round game is absolutely brilliant. He's such a great ball striker. And we saw this week he's a fantastic putter as well. I thought his putting was absolutely excellent. Uh, I didn't really expect him to go on to win at the age of 21. Uh, and obviously the pressure got to him a little bit because there were some some dodgy bogeys in that final round. But just, yeah, a quality week and another guy that looks like he's going to have an amazing career. Yeah, I, I thought he was very impressive. I really like uh, hearing the wolf howls going around the course from the, the small amount of spectators. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I like having you know players who uh, have things shouted at them. You know, remember Luke Donald's Luke, and everyone thought he was booing him and stuff like that. So, uh, uh, no, I thought he was very impressive, and I think he's just got to stick with it now. Um, he's got to realise that he can compete. He's seen Colin Morikawa someone very similar age to him, who he's played a lot of golf with, has already won a major. There's, and he, I think he thinks inside himself that, you know, he, he can do exactly the same. So, uh, um, yeah, I think we're just going to keep an eye out on for him. Um, but let's also talk about, you know, some of the big, big names, Rory, uh, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, all, we all fancied them to do reasonably well this week. And they all did do pretty well, actually, in the end. DJ finished fifth, Rory finished eighth, Justin Thomas finished eighth, and I think uh, John Rahm was, I think, 23rd. So they all did pretty well, didn't they? But they couldn't get the job done, and they just didn't quite settle on the course, did they? Yeah, uh, DJ had a, a pretty poor opening round to shoot three over when uh, Thomas hit shot five under. But I think DJ played actually really well for the week, and uh, I think he finished sixth in the end, or yeah. maybe fifth, but yeah, really good week for him. Rory was uh, just... Absolutely tragic, I thought. He was three under after day one and then went and shot six over in his first six holes or something on round two. Got it back in round three and then four putted the first in the final round for a double bogey. Um, yeah, it's... He wasn't the only person He wasn't the only person to do that and, you know, he's a little bit unfortunate. I, you know, he was one over going into the final round and if he'd, you know... <laughs> And second place in the end finished at even. So, I mean, that shows how close he got, I think. But after that first round where we thought, you know, he's done well, he's, in, he's actually had that first good round. He then just had issues with me. And again, I think it's that six foot putting range, you know, six or 10 feet. He just, you don't have any confidence that he's going to hold anything, do you? No. Uh, yeah, it was his whole game though. I think his putting was fairly weak. His wedges were awful. I think he hit some really bad ones especially in the second round and you've got to say it's just mental on that first hole he was 157 yards out from the middle of the fairway he knows that he needs a good round he's got to hit a pitching wedge or a nine iron to within 10 foot it's, it's what the good players were doing and for some reason he just doesn't have it and 
you know, look at the way Bryson DeChambeau played. It's really hard to imagine Rory playing like that now because it's it's just been so long, hasn't it, in a major? Mm. Yeah, that's true. It's true. And I, th- I think it's, it was different. As we said, he, he was very good with the driver, actually. You know, his stats were very good for that. He was first off the tee. He, he was best off, you know, with the whole the whole field. And he needs conditions to be right for him. We know that he doesn't seem to be able to battle through, and it's something that he knows himself. He doesn't; his game doesn't really uh, stand up to bad weather or or things like that. So, or, or very tough golf courses. Um, I still think he's going to have a good season. I think he's in a good place mentally, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has a very good Masters. But I think we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, yeah, I hope so. And uh, John John Rahm, I mean, we, he was very much fancied, and I think. Uh, even at the halfway stage, uh, I know Paul McGinley picked him as the person to look out for, even though he's a few shots back. Um, it just didn't quite happen for him, did it? No, I didn't really see much of him on Saturday, but he had a terrible round, which basically he played himself out of the tournament, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. And I think there's still, you know, there's still question marks now over John Rahm. That he, you know, he, he hasn't managed to get the, uh, the major monkey off his back. Um, and that's going to start just gnawing away a little bit at him I think I think he needs to get one sooner rather than later otherwise um, I wonder whether he'll ever get one to be honest with you and that's amazing the amount of talent that he's got um, I still think I know you do, you don't think this is true but I still think he gets a little bit carried away when he's um, he's at the top of a leaderboard in, in a really really big tournament um, and I think he still needs to get that, that job done when actually leading a big tournament so um, we'll, we'll wait and see whether he can turn that around I do think he has quite an advantage, though, just because I think he's basically the best player in the world. And if you look recently, the majors have been won basically by by the favourites. I think the the favourites are always kind of turning up these days. And the guys who are, like like John Rahm, he's so much better than somebody who's ranked 100, 150th in the world. And I think on the major stage, that's really what counts. And I remember Kepka, didn't he? He said that, there's only like 30 guys to beat that week. And um, mm. yeah, I think that will help the top guys, especially John Rahm. Yeah, they do seem to be on a slightly different level, some of these guys, don't they? Yeah, and we, exactly. you're right, we have been looking at the, the same kind of people winning now for a while. You know, Morikawa, you say, oh, hang on a minute, you've got Morikawa in there. But Morikawa was playing fantastically, wasn't he, on the PJ Tour? And he was he's inside the world's top 20 when he won. I think that's correct. Um, and... You know, as you say, Shambo was in the top ten, and um, you know, a lot of these guys have done done very well. So, um, I think, you know, if you look at the ones that haven't, like Shane Lowry last year, for example, Shane Lowry was just on the ideal course for him in the ideal place in the world. So, uh, it was always going to be very hard to beat him. Um, and then the two, our last two that we need to chat about are Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, as we always try to talk about these guys. Tiger just struggled, I think, didn't he? Um, he had some, some, no, he looked like his game was okay, but I think he just struggled around that course. Yeah, I thought he was terrible, personally. I thought he, he couldn't hit a fairway, he couldn't hit a green, he couldn't hold a putt. He, he duffed a few chips as well, which is just so uncharacteristic for a guy who's been there, done it. He's so mentally strong as well. To, to see him do that was really sad, I thought. And it was just, yeah, a really poor performance. Um I don't really know what to say apart from he's got the, the Masters coming up. He knows how to play that course and hopefully he can have a good week. I still think he's got two or three great weeks left in him over the next few years and, and hopefully that comes to four because obviously he's got the game to win a major but at the moment he's just so inconsistent really. like He's not playing enough as well, you would have to say, but we saw that the, the Zozo last year. He had a, a couple of months off and he still went and won. So he just needs that week to get his game right. I think that's right. I don't think he's played enough. I mean, that's obviously been tough on everybody this year about how much they play because of lockdown and things like that. But um, I think it's very hard for him to suddenly turn up these these tournaments on these incredibly hard setups and get and find your find your right your A game. I mean, I thought he was okay actually the first few rounds. I think you're being slightly harsh on him because although there was a lot of bogeys, there's actually a few birdies in there as well. So I think he's looking forward to playing. Hopefully, a couple more tournaments getting in a good place and then going to Augusta and doing what he does at Augusta. Um, and then someone else who, oh, you know, he's got a very good record at Augusta is Phil Mickelson. Um, 
And, of course, he's not got a bad US Open record, having all the second places that he's had. But is it possible now that that was the last time that we're going to see Phil Mickelson at a US Open? Yeah, it definitely could be. I think he was 13 over par for two rounds. Um, he and Tiger missed the cut in the same US Open for the first time ever. And what is left in the rankings at the moment, he's probably outside the top 60, is he now? Just going to have a yeah. look. Uh, he's 56 at the moment, but he only got in this year because the USGA extended the rankings to 70 due to the, the qualification tournaments being cancelled. And he's previously said that he's not going to accept a special exemption into this event. So the only way he's going to play next year is if he qualifies. He can win the US Senior Open to qualify. He can be in the top 60 of the world, which is looking quite unlikely, to be honest. Or he can win on the PGA Tour. So it does look... Probably 50-50, I'd say, that he's played his final US Open. I mean, I think... I reckon he's going to play another one. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, because I still think he's playing pretty decent golf. I mean, he's won on the seniors tour. He was second in the WGC, the FedEx and Dude Invitational, this year. Uh, you know, he won on the PJ Tour last year. Uh, and as you say, he's only just outside the top 50. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a another couple of... I still think he's got PJ Tour winning him. To be honest with you, uh, you know, it was only a year ago since he last won his last one. So um, I, I, his game was obviously not in the right place, and it was the worst golf course for him to play on. I think um, yeah. he's got all those memories from when he so nearly won in two thousand and six. There, he had way too much, you know, spotlight on him for someone who was. It was very unlikely he was going to do very well because he isn't hitting the his driver anywhere near straight enough. He doesn't know where he's going, does he? Uh, he's missing it left and right. And if you've got, he's got no control over his ball off the, off the tee, and that's going to be tricky. And his 79, I think he shot on the first round, was an incredible 79 because anybody else would have shot 85 plus from where he was having to play second shots from. Uh, and it was just his incredible short game that managed to get him out of uh, out of trouble so um i still think mickelson's got another us open in him i think he, he'll not want to play i don't think he'll ever want to go to wing for ever again <laughs> you know he's had just bad you know he obviously played very very well in 2006 and he said he had the best short game week of his life that week and couldn't quite get it done but he needs to maybe pick his tournaments wisely now you know that he knows the ones that he can do well on and um yeah, I think we'll we'll still see him about, I think. Yeah, if he, he continues to play on the PGA Tour, which I think he is going to, and he finds some form, he, he could easily win on the right golf course, or even a couple of uh, top fives might get him into the top 50 in the world again. So, yeah, hopefully we'll see some more of Phil. Absolutely. So, we've had a good chat about the US Open. Can we all have a rest for a week? No, we can't. There's loads of stuff still happening, isn't there? And there's also loads of stuff which happened at the weekend, which may have gone unnoticed. So we also need to say congratulations to Georgia Hall, who won for the first time in America. The Englishwoman beat Ashley Buhai in a playoff to win the Cambia Portland Classic in Oregon. Really good performance from Georgia, wasn't it? Well, I don't know, because uh, uh, yeah, I've got a bone to pick with Sky here. The US Open finished at, what, half 11 or something, and this tournament was finishing right after the gold finish, and there was you know, like Chronicles of the Open Champion coming on or something. And like we've got an English woman on the LPGA Tour trying to win her first ever title in America. And it was just nowhere to be seen on UK TV. So I was I was really disappointed by that. But uh, yeah, good on Georgia. Great player and, and a massive win for her. So well done. I think that's a fair point, actually. Yeah, it would have been nice to watch that. And it would have been actually really perfect because it was on the West Coast, wasn't it? So it, it did finish a bit later than uh, the US Open, which is obviously New York. But it got reduced to three rounds because of uh, the poor air pollution because of all the wildfires that are going on uh, in California. But it was a fantastic performance from Georgia Hall, who is really, really impressive now, isn't she? She's head and shoulders above a lot of uh, her fellow country women. I think there's a few others who can keep up with her, but she's she's very impressive and she knows how to win, doesn't she? Yeah, serial winner. And you saw on the Rose Lady series, just... Like you said, they're head and shoulders above. Like Charlie Hull is on her level as well, you'd have to say. And mm. um, there were some great performances from the other girls as well. But Georgia Hall was consistently up there. And yeah, she, she's just a, a quality player and a major winner, of course. 
I was absolutely uh, disappointed not to see Mel Reed win. Obviously, we had her on the podcast mm. within the last couple of weeks. But yeah, another good result for her and a great week for English golf, you'd have to say. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to mention Mel Reed that uh, she was obviously a 36 hole leader and I think she finished back in fourth. But good to see her playing well again. You know, in, in, when you spoke to her, she, she was quite bullish about her, her future opportunities, wasn't she? And she says, you know, she knows how to, to play and how, you know, all the experience that she's had. So yeah, it's really good to see her doing well as well. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to this week, we have on the PJ Tour is the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship in the Dominican Republic, where Graham McDowell defends the title. And also Henrik Stenson is also in the field. So that should be decent. Have you had a look about who's playing at all, Elliot? Well, as you would expect for this kind of event, after the US Open, it's a, it's a very weak field. Uh, I think it's really good to see Will Zalatoris in the field as well. He was tied sixth last week, and he is actually a Corn Ferry Tour player. So if he could win this week or finish top 10, I'm not sure if that would get him into some more PJ Tour events. But yeah. because of COVID, I think that the PJ Tour list is staying the same for next year as well. So hopefully Zalatoris can, um, can make his way up because he won on the Corn Ferry Tour very recently and clearly is a class player. Yeah, and I think there's someone else I want to mention for this is, and that's Sam Horsfield, who obviously done very well at the, in the UK swing, but unfortunately had to miss the US Open because of a positive COVID nineteen test. But he's actually in the field this week. Um, oh, one. So um, let's hope that he um, he has a good week because he's he's obviously had a bit of bad luck there with the US Open. Um, and there is also another fantastic event this week on the European Tour and it's the Irish Open believe it or not the Irish Open which usually is being played what, what time of year July usually isn't it yeah in that link swing leading up to the Open Championship yeah so obviously it's been a bit delayed but there's a few decent tournaments around and you know, I think the best thing about it is that Shane Lowry obviously Irishman obviously current Open champion uh, he's I think he's going to be the longest serving Open champion ever uh, he, he's in the field, isn't he? And he's the, he's a very short price favourite, actually, isn't he? Yeah, uh, never won this event as a pro, has he? After I think was it two thousand and eight when he won it as an amateur. So yeah, with it not being a Rolex Series event this week, and with it being directly after the US Open, it's uh, quite a weak field for this kind of event. So Lowry should uh, should rightly be tournament favourite, and will really fancy his chances, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think he should do pretty well there. I mean, there's a few other big names that we should probably mention. George Kutsia, of course, won again a couple of weeks ago, is in the field. Conor Simons has been having a decent uh, few weeks. And um, also someone like Yusel Loughton, who hasn't had the best of years, but he's in the field and he's 33 to 1. So, you know, some, some of the uh, guys to maybe look out for. Um, you've got some winnings from the weekend, which you want to reinvest, which I don't think I do have. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, do check out our betting tips for this week. They will be on the Golf Monthly website, and also just obviously just Google them, Google Golf Betting Tips, and you can click on our posts. Uh, and as ever, of course, do follow us on social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram, and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. And of course, do check out the Golf Monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk, and uh, see all the latest news, the fallout from the US Open, and uh, all the latest news around the world of golf. Elliot, thanks for chatting. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tom. No problems. You can go and have a nap now or whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, uh, you do. Get over the weekend. But thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll speak to you again next week. <laughs>